listening to First Church Charlotte. All right, let's stand together. We have many, many friends here today. God bless you all for worshiping with us. We have some of John and Gwen's friends all the way from Germany here today. They had a long drive to church. quite long drive uh, to church today. We're so glad they're here. And of course, um, just just many friends and, and family here today, and we're honored to have you all. We are reading together uh, from the, the, the gospel of Luke chapter number one. If you would like to turn with me to verse number 26, this is one of the famous readings that is so popular in this holiday season. And it is appropriate for us today. I am in Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, when Mary saw the angel, she was troubled at his saying and considered what in the name of God this meant. Now, I added that last part. What manner of greeting this was. My title here for a little while is Mary's Reaction, which in uh, my vernacular is this. Me? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. My title. Um, uh, Me? Before you're seated, smile at your neighbor and say, moi. (laughs) You may be seated. God bless you. I love being a dad. I love uh, my kids, and I am blessed to have two wonderful children. I'm also blessed that I had them later in life, and so I am not as impatient as some of you young parents are. But since I waited and had my grandchildren first... Uh, I heard it's better to do it that way. Since I had my grandchildren first, um, I, I have enjoyed them. I think in a way I would not have if I would have had them very, very young. And I, I just, I enjoy teasing my kids. I enjoy teasing your kids. I just, I love kids. And I, I, if I'm around kids, I'll always try to find a way to just have fun with them. Because it's so easy to have fun uh, with children. Some of you guys, it's nearly impossible to have fun with you. You're just tired. You, you need a vacation. Can I get a witness? And it's just not as much fun. But I can walk up to your children and I can say, all right, which superhero are we today? And they're ready to go. They're just, they're ready to have fun. And one of the things I love to do uh, with my kids is I like to ask them to do something that they are completely unprepared for and in a manner that they don't respect. And I like to do it with, a, uh, or they don't expect. And so I, I do it with a straight face. The other day, I was hurrying through the house working. I had my car keys in my hand and I walked by my little girl and she's five years old and uh, she was just busy doing five-year-old things, you know. And I walked by and I turned around and I handed her my car keys, straight face. I said, Ellery, go out and pull my truck into the garage. And I turned around and I just walked off and she stood there with the keys in her hand looking at me. And right when I was about to get out of the room, I turned around and she said, me? <laughs> 
And I, you know, the story of the birth of Jesus is such a a tender and a beautiful story. I think of uh, all of the stories that show us the heart of God. Uh, Nothing better shows us the heart of God than the vulnerability that he took upon himself. Most of us would try if we had the ability and or the resources. Most of us would try to fix the world through power because we think something ought to be done. And so we're going to fix the world with power. Uh, We make this law, we demand this, this circumstance. Uh, And here is the only one who had power, Almighty God. And rather than choosing to fix anything through power, he took on the form of a infant as if to say to all of us, power is not the way to fix a broken world. Power breaks the world. Power feeds into that negative feedback cycle whereby nation rises against nation and people against people and political party against political party. He went to the extreme opposite as far as a manner to fix a broken world. And he came as a baby and he, uh, he so honored Mary of Nazareth to let her be the vessel that would birth Jesus Christ, the Son of God, into uh, our world. There is a famous book written that is, uh, I think, one of the most beautiful books about this time and the season of the Advent or the the Incarnation or Christmas as we sometimes uh, or usually say. And that is the book by Max Licato entitled God Came Near. He asks 25 questions of Mary. And most, most seasons I will review this list because I love it so much. I find it touching to me. 25 questions for Mary. What was it like watching Jesus pray? That's what the author would ask her. Um, how, how did Jesus respond when he saw other kids giggling during the service at synagogue? <laughs> um, when he saw a rainbow, did he ever mention a flood? Um, when, uh, did you ever feel awkward teaching him how he created the world? Uh, when Jesus saw a lamb being led to the slaughter, did he act differently? Did you ever see him with a distant look on his face as if he were listening to someone you couldn't hear? Uh, How did he act at funerals? Did you ever try to count the stars with him and succeed? (laughs) Did he ever come home with a black eye? Well, did he have a brother? If he did, and we know he had several, then yes, he came home with a black eye. That's what brothers do for you. Uh, (laughs) did Did he have any friends by the name of Judas? Uh, Did he do well in school? Did you ever scold him? (laughs) Did he ever scold you? (laughs) Did he ever wake up afraid? Who was his best friend? When someone referred to Satan, how did he act? Did you ever accidentally call him father? What did he and his cousin John, who would one day be known John as John the Baptist, what did they talk about as children? How did they play together? Did his brothers and sisters have any clue what was happening around them? And his last question, which I love for Mary, is this. Did you ever think to yourself, that's God eating my soup? <laughs> um, so... Mary is a 
a young, very young, what we would think of as a girl at this time. Uh, true to the time, she probably was uh, early teens of her age, so just a, just a teenage girl. Um, that was a typical time for them to be married. Uh, she was betrothed to a, a man named Joseph, and neither of them had any nobility in their, in their specific background or in their lineage. There were no signs Uh, that they would in some way host the incarnation of the eternal God in their home. There was nothing of an indicator where they saw this coming toward them. Uh, Joseph was an honorable man. He was a man that Almighty God chose as a stepfather. That is pretty high, high praise. And and Joseph has a gentle heart and a kind disposition. You can see that when he struggles to understand how his betrothed wife is with child. And he, he doesn't want to hurt her in any way. He doesn't want to embarrass her. So the Bible says he sought to put her away privately. He, he sought to have a private divorce where she would receive no shame. It's almost as though uh, he, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't understand. Understand, but he did not want to hurt anyone. This is the heart of uh, Joseph. And you see, you see this man who nothing special about him, and yet in some way he seems to represent the best of us. And you look at Mary, there's, there's nothing of a notable uh, attention that is brought to her. There's nothing placed upon her in some way to make you think, oh, she will someday be uh, the one who brings the Messiah into this world. That's, there's nothing like that. They consider themselves quite ordinary people in a backwoods part of the country, a town of no note, in a region of no note, and here they are living their life, and then Gabriel shows up. I have never seen an angel. I would like to, <laughs> but I have never seen an angel. I, I've talked to several people who have had visions, and they've, they have had um, things that they thought, they, they, they believed they had seen an angel. They may very well have seen an angel. I, I do not know. I have not... Uh, seen an angel, but um, I can only imagine the sheer astonishment of one minute you're by yourself, and then the next minute um, Gabriel is standing there, and he's like in a really good mood. It's like you are by yourself, your energy's down here, and his energy's up here. You know, you ever you ever go uh, come into a room and you're like just barely there, and someone's like, hey, 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 we're glad you're here, and you're like, whoa, well, okay. Imagine Gabriel has the greatest announcement in the whole world. He is not flip about this announcement. He's not indifferent about this announcement. He's like, are you ready? <laughs> do I do it now? We had our kids program last week, and it's so fun to watch kids. They're like watching their teachers who are down here on the front row. And if you're sitting in the back, you think they know the part. Let me tell you a secret. The kids don't know the part. They're watching their teachers, and their teachers are like, oh, come let us adore him. Here's Gabriel. He just wants to make an announcement. He's just like, now, this is the greatest announcement in the history of creation. And Gabriel has been so blessed to make that announcement. And he's just like, 
And Mary's just having a calm time by herself. Hmm, I need to go by the grocery store. And I can't forget, you know, bananas for the banana pudding that I'm cooking for my pastor. Because everybody knows if you're going to be blessed, you have to bring desserts to the pastor. So uh, maybe this year you guys kind of should take that as a sign that the Spirit is moving in the house. And so... And the angel speaks, and she is, she is, you know, uh, what is going on? And so uh, she receives this uh, announcement from the Lord, and she uh, she receives this word given to her from Gabriel, and um, she basically has this response. You know, what what meaneth this? What meaneth this? I I don't know what's going on here. Um, What you're excited about is scaring me to death. Anyone ever had that experience in your life? What you're excited about is scaring me to death. It's like the guy who talked you into doing the bungee thing, you know, and they're like, it's going to be awesome. And the whole time you're like, why did I agree to this? Never going to do it again. My brother forced me onto a roller coaster when I was very young and uh, he got, I got all the way up to the line and then I decided I wasn't going to go on. Well, he was a lot bigger than me, so he just grabbed me and forced me on and I'll never forget vivid memories of when they, the bars clicked down over my neck. He leaned over and he whispered. He said, just pretend you're in a fighter jet and you're going to fly through the air. And so after I repented of all my sins and after I spoke deliverance to the fearful spirit within and after I rebuked all the demons of hell, then I tried to pretend that we were going. This is what it is for her. He's excited. Mary's like, I have no idea what this is mean. I don't know what's happening next. You see, as a believing and as an observant Jew, Mary has no problem believing that the Messiah will come. I I want you all to kind of get this. I don't want to rush past this because we all of us find ourselves in a not too dissimilar reality as Mary. Mary, this, this young girl, devout, believes the word of the Lord, believes the promises of God, attends synagogue where she is taught of the Messiah to come. She is taught of how he will make whole a broken world, how he will throw off the oppression of the oppressor. She believes, uh, probably like most of the people of her time, that that means that the enemy is Rome. They will all of them find out that the oppressor was not Rome, the oppressor was sin. And what was going to be thrown off was the power and the dominion of sin. And so everyone here today who has repented of your sins, you are free in Jesus Christ because the dominion of sin has been broken. Can I have a big amen? And so I want you to see, she has no problem believing. And when the rabbi teaches or sings or reads uh, these truths, she has no problem believing that it is going to happen. Just like us, she has no problem. And we have no problem believing that God wants to do great things. I would ask you this, and almost all of you would agree, how many of you believe that God keeps his promises? Do you believe that? How many of you believe that he promised to make a way for you in the difficult arenas of your life? How many of you believe that? I I want some agreement in the house here. How many of you are testimonies that you were in trouble and God intervened in your situation and made a difference for you. Do I have any believers in the house? 
How many of you believe that God will finish what he has started? Oh, praise God, somebody. This is an apostolic church. I said God will finish what he started. How many of you believe that there's nothing that will come to you except the Lord has prepared a way of escape whereby you are taken to safety through the power of the word? The Bible teaches that there is a latter day of revival when the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do. You shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. You have no problem believing that. I could write a song if they would let me sing it, but uh, the worship team will never let me sing because they don't know. They're not spiritual people. They're talented, but they're just not spiritual. Just having fun. We are blessed. We have an amazing worship team. They took us into the presence of the Lord this morning. That's exactly what they should do. Can I have a big amen? And so, and so I could stand up here and I could write a song just off the top of my head about how God's going to deliver, God's going to save, God's going to bless, God is going to heal, and every one of you would say amen, and so be it. You would say, let it happen. You have, like Mary, no problem believing that God is going to do great and mighty things. Can I have an agreement in this house? Here is the reality. Mary has no problem believing God's going to do great things. The problem Mary has is me. Nothing in her life has prepared her for this truth. You will be the handmaiden of the Lord. Nothing has prepared her for this reality. The Spirit will overshadow you and you will conceive. And uh, that child is going to be born uh, Emmanuel, God with us. He shall save his people from their sins. Nothing has prepared her for the difference between uh, God's going to do great things, and God's going to do great things through me. I want to uh, sympathize with Mary, because like Mary, I oftentimes believe that God will do great things, but I struggle to believe that God wants to do them through me. So I'm always looking for someone else who can host the touch of God. I'm looking for revival to come to somebody else's house. I'm looking for healing to come to somebody else's body. This past week, we had a, a great miracle here with uh, our brother Ernest, who uh, had a very uh, dangerous health condition in his body and uh, had symptoms that were supposed to be, by, by uh, some uh, medical uh, estimates, to, to not, not go away. That was a, a situation where they thought he was in very, very serious health trouble. The church began to pray. His family began to pray. Our pastoral staff was praying. His wife was praying and this Sunday morning he was right here worshiping the Lord as if nothing happened and if I understand correctly he's probably next door right now cooking for somebody why 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 I know my God is a healer and I expect God to do great things can you believe that God is a healer can you believe that he's able to deliver Like the old timers say, from the guttermost to the uttermost. Can you believe that God, I know you can. 
Now let me ask you to raise your faith higher and say this. Can you believe all of those great things will happen in you? That's much harder. I believe God will bless, but I sometimes struggle to believe that God wants to start right where I am at in this very moment. God will do great things, yes, but he wants me to believe that he will do great things in me. So the Bible over and over again is the story of people astonished that God wants to use them. I could really uh, make a much longer list than I have prepared for you. I've, I've, I've made a list of five people. Uh, if you've downloaded the notes off the website, you'll have all of this. I don't know if I'll get in any depth in any of them, but there could have been a much larger, longer list made of people who were astonished that God would actually use them. Remember Gideon? No one felt less qualified than Gideon. Gideon is hiding from the enemy and the angel of the Lord shows up and the angel of the Lord says, oh mighty man of valor. That's like telling your husband that he is the wealthiest man you know right after he lost his job. And if he doesn't understand women, you say, that's because you married me. So anyway, I'll tell you how I helped you there. I'm a blesser like that. I just want to bless you. Uh, this is like telling someone sick, saying, uh, you are the healthiest person I know. There is this sense of the divine absurd. Gideon, oh mighty man of valor. And what does Gideon do? Gideon goes... Me? David will become the one who defines New Testament worship. He will become the one who is the house of the Almighty God. David's house is prophetically fulfilled through Jesus Christ, thou son of David. And yet he is a man who is an adulterer. He is a murderer. And in Psalms 103, he writes this, God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. You know why we have a church here? Because God does not deal with us according to our sins. If you've fallen into a negative religious pattern of trying to earn God's love, I want to remind you that there is no place more frustrating than trying to be good enough for God to bless you. You're never going to be good enough. That place of feeling if my life gets orderly, then God will bless you. Bless me. No, no, no. God does not deal with us according to our sins. That's why this preacher is here preaching to you today. I'm not worthy to carry the holy word of God, but God has not dealt with me according to me, according to my weakness. He has dealt with me according to his love. And so it is with every one of you. If you grew up in the habit of trying to be good enough for God, I would love to free you from that here today. I would love to point out to you that you can never be good enough for God. But his love is the most beautiful love story ever told. God gives you the gift of his love. You cannot earn it. David seems like the least qualified man to have his name associated with the Messiah of the world. But the Lord's in the business of using people just like that. And so Jesus will be called the son of David. Moses. Moses has a call upon his life. But he really struggles with the idea that God could use him. There was a day when he felt qualified and he had a lot of confidence 
confidence, but life, time, failure, wilderness, and struggle has stripped his confidence from him. And when the Lord finally speaks to him and tells him of the mission that he would like him to embark upon for the Lord, Moses does everything he can do to talk God out of using him. He's like, Lord, I can't do it. Uh, I have a stutter, Lord. I can't lead people with a stutter. The Lord says, no, you're the one. I'll give you someone to talk. You're the one. I want to remind all of you that when God uses Moses, he does it in spite of Moses' weakness. He doesn't heal Moses' weakness. Moses never stops stuttering, but God uses him anyway. You see, what we do is we find a reason why God won't use us, and that's the end of the story. We say, I can't do this. That's why God won't use me. God's in the business of using you in spite of your weakness in spite of your ability. Don't stand there too long and say, me? There comes a moment where you say, well, let it be according to what you have said. That is exactly what Mary does. She doesn't stop at the incredulity of God using her. She says instead, all right, if you say it, we'll go with what you say. That is the correct response. We have to get beyond on the idea that God is not looking to use us and begin to believe this instead. God, whatever you want to do, I'm just glad to be a part of it. Whatever you want to do, I'm just glad to be associated with your kingdom. The story goes on and on. Paul is the greatest persecutor of the New Testament church, but he would become its greatest missionary. The very person who struck the most fear into the people of God is struck down on the road to Damascus, and the Lord speaks to him and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He will go from being the persecutor to being the greatest evangelist of the generation. Jeremiah, like Paul, has the sense that he he can't do. He shouldn't have been called. In fact, the Lord tells Jeremiah when he calls him that his ministry is going to be a big failure. Now imagine the Lord saying that to someone. I want to call you to the ministry. Oh, by the way, you're going to bomb. Anyway, enough about me and my ministry. Okay. All right. So (laughs) I'm going to call you The Lord tells Jeremiah they're not going to listen to you. Now, Jeremiah doesn't obviously want to be involved in the ministry of failure. (laughs) And so he does his best to talk God out of using him. And he says this, I'm only a youth, Lord. And the Lord rebukes him and says, do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And so Jeremiah says, the Lord reached out his hand and he touched me. For what? For the calling he has placed upon me. Yes, we can believe that God will do great things. We struggle to believe that God would do great things through us. But the Lord will remind you that he is looking for somebody through whom he can work. You are God's plan to make a difference in your world. You have been so blessed by the mercy of God that his word has been placed in your mouth. Come on, somebody. 
You are so blessed that his anointing has been placed upon you. If you knew what God could do, you would ask for more than what you've been asking for. I'm going to try that over here. If you knew what God could do, you would ask for more than what you've been asking for because his hand is upon you and God is looking to bring about a great spiritual accomplishment in your life. And can all you folks say amen? I want to talk to this section and say in your life, God is looking for an open door of anointing and ministry. And if you had a clue of what God could do through you, you would step forward in faith and you would say, God, I'm just glad to be included. Whatever you want to do, do it through me. And so I'm almost done, musicians, you can come. And so Mary Mary has this response to this astonishing word from, from Gabriel. And it, her response is very human. I, I just never thought that the Lord would, would use me in, in that way. I had the opportunity, and this is just a personal, a personal uh, experience. I had. Uh, I used. I, I traveled many years as an evangelist, and uh, I was honored to go to churches. and I, I would host special services and special events at churches. And oftentimes, we would have we would have great things happen. Not not because I was there. I was just a. Uh, I was just a pizza box. No one's excited about the pizza box. It's always the pizza that they're excited about. I was just a vessel uh, that the Lord, the Lord would uh, use to raise people's faith, and their faith would be in God, not in the preacher, and good things would happen. I recently, some time back, I had an opportunity to visit a church that I had preached several revivals for, and when I got there and I I, I pulled up on the in the parking lot. I got out, and there were there were there were several men standing there waiting on me to get out of the church, get out of the the car at the church. And so we pulled up. I was preaching an event for them, and this was after I was pastoring here in Charlotte. I got out of the car, and whenever you see people, you know, waiting on you, it, you, you want to be kind, you want to want to respond. I did not immediately place them. I just knew that we parked. My first thought was that they were ushers, and they were making sure if we needed anything we would be taken care of but when I got out of the car uh, the first one stepped forward and extended extended his hand and he said do you remember me and I said you know when I was young I used to lie I'd pretend like oh yeah I kind of do remember you Um, but people see through that it's much better just to be honest not really (laughs) help me out here you know you got me you got me on the defensive I said not not really and he said I got the Holy Ghost when you were here preaching revival. And behind him was another, a a couple other men and they both stepped forward. I got the Holy Ghost in revival you preached here over 10 years ago. Another one, I got the Holy Ghost in revival you preached here. And I stood there, my eyes teared up. I had moved on just in the responsibilities. And you look back at what God has done through you. The most humbling thing in the world is to realize that God has used your hands. The most humbling thing in the world is to realize God used your voice. It's easy for us to believe God can do great things. It's a little bit harder for us to believe God can do things through us. But I'm here to tell you, His Spirit did not just come to that world and did not just overshadow Mary. His Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. And His Spirit... That same Spirit of God that overshadowed Mary is now 
taking up residence in the heart of whosoever will. That means you become the walking habitation of God. You become the speaking habitation of God. Or as the Apostle Paul said, ye are the temple, the tabernacle of the Lord. So this is my Christmas message for you. Yes, you're highly favored. Why? Because God is with you. You are highly favored because his presence has taken up residence in your life. You are highly favored because what the elders and the patriarchs sought to look into, this is Hebrews chapter number uh, 11, they could not look into it. God saved it, that better thing, that better covenant for those of us who are filled with his spirit. I want to tell you today with all the joy of a preacher, you are blessed among all the people of the world. You are blessed among all the people who have ever lived. You don't take it for granted, my friend. You are blessed. Why? His spirit has taken up residence your life. Let's all stand all over the house. Lord Jesus, you see every one of our hearts. Lord, I'm praying for the individual here today who they realize that their life is passing swiftly and they're not where they they would like to be in relationship to you. Lord, I'm praying that you would fill them with spiritual courage to call upon the Lord, to call upon you, to commit to making time for your presence. There are people here today who need to repent of their sins, Lord, uh, because it's been too long since they've made time in their life for them to humble themselves before your presence. Lord, I'm praying that either in this service today or this week, they would take that moment and they would truly repent of their sins and turn their heart toward you and see that you are the answer for their life. You are the hope that they all look for and we all seek. You are the peace that surpasses the security the world can offer. Lord, I'm praying for that person today. I'm praying for the individual who has never received the evidence of your presence. They have felt you at times, but they've never receive the evidence of your presence. I pray just as you did in the book of Acts, you would give them the experience of your presence. You would fill them with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, Lord Jesus. I pray that their life would be so filled with the literal inhabitation of your spirit that it would affect everything they do and their friends would see the difference in them, God. And their co-workers would see the difference in them. And faith would begin to rise within them like the floodwaters. Begin to rise like the waters that flowed out from under the door of the temple that grew deeper and deeper until there were waters of revival to swim in. Let that be the experience of every person here. Lord Jesus, I pray against those things that would resist their commitment to you. I pray against the distractions in their life. Some of them have relationships that is destroying their faith and they need to order their lives, Lord. I pray you'd give them courage to do that. Some of them have hobbies and habits and even sins that is destroying your presence in their life and removing you from them, Lord. I pray you would give them the courage and the anointing to order their lives and call upon you and host your presence and be changed by the word of God in Jesus name we pray
I'm going to open this altar right now. I'd like to invite all who would to feel free to step out of the seat that you're standing in and come gather in the altar. We end all of our Sunday services this way, so our guests and friends, you should feel free to come with us. We won't embarrass you in any way. You don't have to, but I just want you to know you'll be safe. We won't embarrass you in any way. We end our service with active prayer. We end the teaching and the preaching as a prayer service. So anyone with a need here today, I want you to feel free to come and just stand here at the front, and we are going to pray all together as a corporate body of believers. We may pray one for another. Feel free to to, to come, but I want to particularly make an appeal to those who have a specific need. You have a specific need that you can take in faith to the throne. We're going to do that in just a moment, and we're going to believe here. But let's just take a moment to stand in His presence. Our worship team is going to lead us in worship. All of you who know how to pray, I'd like you to help me create an atmosphere of prayer and an atmosphere of faith all across this service right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, we're asking for the miraculous to be done among us for the purposes of your kingdom. Lord, we're asking for the people here today who are sick in their body to leave here with a testimony of healing. Lord, I'm praying for the person who's troubled in their spirit. You know who they are. They haven't come forward, Lord, but you know how troubled they are in their spirit. I pray you would speak a peace over them, God. And I pray in this moment right now there would be an unction of faith. There would be an unction of divine impartation that we could be partakers of of the heavenly, the gifts of the heavenly here on earth. That we would celebrate together of what you are able to do. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. We're believing. We're letting our faith rise. If the Lord's ever healed you, I'd like you to think about that right now and let your faith rise. God, I want to thank you for bringing me out of the sick bed. I want to thank you, Lord, for bringing me out of the sick bed. Come on, church. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.